physical, but it's your energy. I got no fear to put you on a pedestal, but are you trusting me? Welcome back to the King Melly Podcast. So every opinion is welcome and every voice can be heard. Listen, man, let me let me address this right now. Let me address this right now. A lot of I've been hearing a lot of talk. Been hearing a lot of talk about the, the chicks tape. You know, Tory Lanez just dropped chicks tape files. If you're familiar with the chicks tape series, and yeah, go bump that. Go bump that. And most importantly, if you're familiar with the chicks tape series, you probably ain't even really feeling chicks tape files. With that being said, y'all can keep that. Y'all can keep that. Y'all, y'all can keep Chicks Tape 5. Nothing against Tory. Shout out to Tory. Real hardworking young man. But y'all can keep Chicks Tape 5. I need my R&B to sound like this going into the 2020s. Yeah, yeah, twist it up, yeah. Roll a Dutch, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got tires on the nine. Yeah, yeah. Sting your body. Granted, we never really know if, if Thug and Gunna are rapping or singing. But I need my R&B to feel like this sonically. I, I need it to, I need it to set, set the vibe for me, set the tone for me. Chicks Tape just didn't do that for me. You feel me? Sonically, it just wasn't there for me personally. It wasn't really, it, it didn't really resonate with me. It didn't really resonate with the kid. Now, I ain't gonna sit here and drag it and say that Jacquees is the king of R&B. But I've been rocking with that young man since he put out that Mood Project back in sophomore year of college. And that shit slap. And he really disappoints the kid. So, whatever Tory shit y'all talk, whatever Tory talk y'all talking, y'all can keep that open Canada. As for me and Mark, this is how we need our R&B to sound. Nonetheless, 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 nonetheless. Today's guest on the show is Kyle McKinney. Now, this is a young man that I met randomly. Uh, I, was, I was outside. No, I wasn't outside. I was inside, actually. I went to meet a friend at a, at a hotel, and as I was in the hotel lobby, Sitting cool you know, On my laptop Scrolling and surfing the web I met this young man From London And we briefly Had a conversation And he told me Within the midst of that conversation That he's an app developer Who runs his own company He has a book of clients Of course And you know He develops apps For small businesses So to all my small business listeners This one is particularly for you This one is specifically for you um, I'm pretty sure I'm confident that he'll be able To help you guys In some way shape or form and most importantly, I'm confident that everybody will be able to take something away from this interview because he tells the story of how he developed this company, grew it, scaled it with a couple of other friends to a point where they were able to get offers for it from other big companies. I don't want to spoil anything for you guys. He goes into detail in the conversation. But um, this is definitely a conversation of just... The, the overall theme of this conversation, I would say, is... You gotta stay ready so you never gotta get ready. You gotta stay ready so you never gotta get ready. If you're always prepared for what can, what can never, if you're always prepared, excuse me, if you're always prepared for any circumstances that can happen, if you're always prepared to take off, if you're always prepared to just to take that risk, when opportunity presents itself, you won't back down. When opportunity presents itself, you will be ready because at the end of the day, you never really know when opportunity will present itself. So that's why you gotta stay ready so you never gotta get ready. Shout out to Kyle, big shout out to Kyle for coming on the show and, and, and sharing his story. Kyle makes the first person, the first international guest on the King Valley Podcast. Shout out to Kyle for that. Shout out to all my people listening from um, the UK. Shout out to all the muns then. Big up and massive. But um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And most importantly, if you haven't touched the King of R&B project yet, go touch that. Why you can't sit back and be my piece? Be my piece. Network 
was looking dry, I bought a piece. Complaining about the smell, I bought her teeth. She can buy her own bags, I bought her three. Something about us why she like the bunk that caught her three. Relationship goes on them hoes, J and B. Every little secret that we got, I'ma keep So much on my mind. I need to Uh just a disclaimer, a brief disclaimer. If you hear any music in the background, it's not me providing the music. And if you hear a child in the background, just uh, bear with him. <laughs> well, Kyle, welcome to the King Melly Podcast. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, no doubt. So, so quick story, quick backstory. Kyle and I ran to each other yesterday. Mm-hmm. I've been looking for a lot of young entrepreneurs to come on the show. And yeah. what I realized is the most effective way to find a young entrepreneur is just to go outside. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's a, it amazes me the amount of people that you run into just like walking in New York City or just being mm-hmm. in New York City like on a regular day. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, having a job sometimes like it, you kind of don't always get the full value of New York City yeah. because it's such a big a, a, a big melting pot yeah. oh, that you mm-hmm. never really get to meet everybody that you're supposed to meet mm-hmm. when you're inside of a nine to five. I'm not knocking anybody that has nine to five because mm-hmm. I too sometimes you know get a yeah. job every now and then. Mm-hmm. But it's just like when you don't have a job, mm-hmm. the the amount of people that you're able to add to your network, the amount mm-hmm. of people that you're able to to meet and work with is just is crazy yeah it's crazy yeah yeah well it's good to meet you because we met randomly super randomly yeah literally um i was here working away on the laptop <laughs> and you were doing another podcast right right and right. the next minute i'm on your, on your show so this is this is perfect right so so what were you doing on the laptop Tell, walk, walk the audience through a little bit of what you do and, and, and how you got started okay yeah so i um i run a tech company mm-hmm. uh, it's very much a startup and what we do is help new businesses um, and entrepreneurs create um, websites and apps. So mm. if we think about kind of new businesses um, or small businesses who necessarily are not on um, social media that much, right. don't really have an app, don't really have a website. Our job is to make sure that we can uh, get them from kind of zero to 10 um, with a app or a website and get them engaged and get them very much more social than they were before. Right. So, so, so when did you get into like app development and, and coding and design and stuff like that? Like, how did you know you were even interested in that? Ooh, okay. So where did that start? That started probably about five years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. So five years ago, I had an idea of creating uh, an app, uh, which was called Dance Global. And what that app did is allow people to buy and sell dance classes worldwide. Mm-hmm. So the premise was looking at, say, a teacher who might be teaching yoga in Central Park and uh, that teacher needed a way of um, accepting payments, um, a way of marketing their class. And, you know, the the big kind of unique selling point was we were trying to eliminate uh, people having to go to an ATM machine and, you know, giving money to the teacher and the teacher then needing to give you change. It was eliminating that. And bear in mind, this was five years ago. Now there's, you know, there's Cash App and there's everything that's out. Mm -hmm. Um, But back then, um, there wasn't as many kind of platforms out. So um, we started building it. We started building it. I, I, I'm not from a kind of development coding background. Right. Um, but I, I'm sure as good as hiring people who are great at their jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I Wait, just kind of. So if you're not from a development coding background, how did you even like, how did you even find out about developing and coding? Like, what, what, was the, what was your introduction to that? You know, it's, it's just, it just stemmed from an idea. And I say this to entrepreneurs, if you just have an idea, um, you don't necessarily have to be a developer or a coder to have a great idea and to mm-hmm. want to create an app. You know, you just have to have a great idea and find someone who is great at building that and make that connection. So for me, I was like, okay, I've got an app idea. 
I need someone to build it. So then I went online, you know, did kind of a big search on who could build it, talked to a lot of people, did a lot of interviews and came down to, to one guy um, in Europe. We didn't even live in the same city. Mm-hmm. Um, that started building it. And he started building it for, yeah, about six months. And then obviously, once you kind of get a developer that you like and you work with, the relationship then just expands. and From there you know, on out. Yeah. So he's not from the same city as you? And, no. and what city are you from? So I'm from London. We're in London. No. Yeah, I'm in Brixton, Streatham, Brixton, if people Streatham. know where that is. If yeah. you know where it is, just, yeah. just feel free to go on Google Maps. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was growing up in London like? Because you said you were born in London, right? Originally born in London. So I was originally born in Manchester. Manchester. So all the people listening in the UK will be like, he's not from London, he's got an accent. <laughs> he's got a, they'll be like, he's not from London, can hear by his accent. So Wait, I there's was, a difference between a, a Manchester accent yeah, and London Yeah, there accent? is, yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. It's of, almost like me. difference between like New York and Texas or, mm. you know, um, but yeah, I'm from Manchester. I moved to London when I was 16 to pursue performing arts. Mm-hmm. So that was my kind of thing. I, I did performing arts from uh, from young. Moved to London at 16, and I've lived there kind of all my life since. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like where I grew up, where I was born. Uh, and then I started traveling to the States, been in New York a bunch of times. Right. So it just felt right that I've actually got to kind of take the jump and, and get a place here. I um, see, well, I'm looking at the map now and Manchester is pretty far from London. Yeah, oh, you're looking at the map? Yeah, okay. yeah. Manchester, <laughs> I'm, trying to, yeah. Trying to like, I'm trying to piece everything together, my yeah. mom. Manchester is uh, about two hours on a train mm. um, from London or about a three and a half hour, four hour drive. So it's it's, it's a three whole- Three and a half, four hour drive. Yeah. Okay. So it's a whole so different- that's kind of like going from New York City to Syracuse. Okay. That makes that makes not not okay not now I see why somebody yeah. from London is like you're and not they have London, a different you know? accent in Syracuse. Not, not really, <laughs> really, not really. I don't know. But me personally, I feel like New York people don't have an accent. But oh. anytime I talk to somebody that's not from New York, they be like, "Yeah, I got an you accent." You guys like, definitely have an time. accent. Yeah, I don't hear it, but hey, Dina, yeah. you probably don't think you have an accent. No, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah, you guys have definitely got an accent though. But then, if you, like you say, if you listen to people in Texas, their accent, you would think they right. have an accent to you, right? Exactly. To, to people in Texas, definitely. Having, or you know, country people. Even even somebody from like, even somebody from like Chicago. Chicago's not too far. Or even yeah. somebody from Virginia. Yeah. Has an accent. Yeah. Or from Philly. Philly is like two hours away from yeah. New York. It's like right. just a state down. It's just in the, in the state down south of us. Yeah. And, the and they have different. an accent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same, yeah, with, with Manchester and London. It's a completely was, was, different accent. Was growing up in, in um in, in Manchester completely different from London? Like how much different are those two cities? Um yeah, it was different. I think Manchester is very uh chill. Mm-hmm. Um so it was it was a nice vibe in Manchester. It's very much like it's very much homely, it's very much um about family, it's very family orientated. Mm-hmm. Um which was great for a certain period. But I moved to London when I was 16. I went to, um, I mean, what I would class as college in uh, London. And I studied performing arts. So I kind of just left London as soon as I finished high school. I think you guys call that, not elementary. What's the other one to elementary? Middle school. Middle, what's the, is there another one? High school. Oh, you guys so, say high right, school. Okay. Yeah, so, so, for, so how about this? For, for, First grade to about fifth grade. No, pre-K technically, pre-K, so pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, right. then there's first to fifth grade. That's classified as elementary school. Right, okay. Then there's sixth, seventh, eighth, that's middle school. Right. Then ninth to twelfth is high school. Right. So okay. how do you how do you guys classify it in over in the UK? So we've got um uh, primary school, which I guess is elementary school, then mm-hmm. we've got high school, then we'll go college, university. And we do it like that. I don't know if you guys. So how old do you when you're in high school? So when you, oh God, no, let me think. When you're in high school, you are 13 to 
16. What about primary then? Hmm? So primary school, you're... you're primary school is whatever's younger to that, yeah. So sorry. It's like 2 to 12. Yeah, I think primary school must be from like, yeah, from like, yeah, from like 5 onwards. And then you've got, yeah, you've got kindergarten, as mm-hmm. you guys say. But we finish school technically at 16. And then we go to college at 16. I don't know, for some reason, that kind of feels more effective. Because <laughs> I, well, I'll, I'll me personally, I, my theory when it comes to like school and everything is mm. that I feel like you can take a 17 year old and put them directly in the workplace. Yeah. Like I feel like at the end of the day, whatever job you're going to get, like mm. you're going to get taught mm. how to do the job and mm-hmm. how to do whatever the functions of the job is. Mm. But in America, it's like not only do you have to go to college to like get a good job, right? but you got to be like 17, 18 to even go to college. In to first even, place. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's slightly different in the UK. We just literally, I mean, you don't even have to go to, from 16, you don't have to go to college. You know, it's, it's a choice. And then from college, you go to university. I went to a performing arts college, um, which was in London, and I didn't go to university. So I and I just skipped uni altogether. So, so how long is college in, 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 um, in uni? College would be from 16 to 18. Oh, so it's just a two-year thing? Yeah. And then the university would be, oh. Yeah. So what we call college. Yeah. Or universities <laughs> is right. is what you guys yeah. classify as universities. Yeah. So so then what's the point of college anyways? Then like what's the, what are those two years I, like? I don't know. It's just a middle year. Like a I feel like people who might listen to this from the UK is like he's not saying it right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they'll be like this guy's not right. Um, but yeah, it's like a two year period. Um, <clears throat> again, people go to <clears throat> study, but I I went to dance, so it it was a whole different ball game for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, it didn't even feel like college. It just felt like I was just doing what I love just dancing and just yeah so um did that and then actually I think it's three years I think it's like 16 yeah to 19 I would say Mm -hmm. yeah so but yeah would you say that in the UK is it's a society where like you have to you have to have a degree you have to have a university degree in order to level up or you have to have a university degree to get the respect of other people or do they respect creatives and entrepreneurs in that society like can you just go to performing arts school do what you do in performing arts and still get the same respect as somebody who's like uh, a high-ranking official whatever field that they work in yeah interesting question i mean i think are you talking about in the corporate world as well or just in general yeah like, in general in general because i feel like i mean a lot of people don't necessarily go to college and university mm-hmm. but you know can still especially if they're an entrepreneur right you know you can just have an idea um and I always tell people there's so much knowledge out there now that if you don't know something, you can educate yourself. So when I started my business, again, I said to you, I didn't go to to university. I studied online. I just looked at YouTube videos and I watched and I wrote it down like it was like I was in university. So I watched all the Stanford talks and all these talks. and I just felt like I was in a class. Yeah, I felt like I was in school and I just wrote everything down. And that's how I educated myself if I wanted to know anything uh, about any topic you can you can almost type it into google or to youtube and it'll you know it'll tell you how to do it or where to go to find that information out so it, the internet is powerful and that's not to say you don't need to go to university right. but you know if you are that kind of budding entrepreneur and you're raring to go educate yourself on the way like as you as you go through it you, you know you should be taking those steps every night to open up the laptop to just educate yourself watch new talks watch seminars like that's massive because mm-hmm. then that can take you further to your next job or to your next meeting to your right. next client and at the time how did your parents feel about that like the, the fact that you just weren't you didn't you decided to forego to university and just educate yourself mm-hmm. uh, i think they were all right with it because i always had that entrepreneur spirit 
um, and that kind of stemmed from my family. My, my parents are like that. Uh, my dad has his own business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've always had it in our blood to do that. Um, my, my, my family have always been supportive. That's one of the things. They've always been supportive of what I wanted to do. Right. Um, and every kind of, you know, failure that's happened, they've always been there to to kind of get me back up again. Do you know what I mean? No, that, that's, so, that's dope. Mm. That's dope. So from what age did you start dancing? You said you, you were in performing arts and you were doing yeah. something that you really loved. When did that, where did that passion stem from? Mm, so I started dancing, I think, when I was like six or seven. Mm. And that just came from me walking down the street, seeing that they did classes in uh, like a building, um, like an arts building, and going in there and saying, hey, like, I want to try it. I want to sign up. Loved it. So I started doing that. Was And that was like ballet. That was jazz, tap. Learn it, learn it all, and I loved it. Um, but then got to a point where I was hitting maybe 18, 19, and I said to myself, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. <laughs> what, what, what caused that? What caused that, that tension, that friction? Do you know what it was? Is I, I, I didn't want to be on stage. I, I liked the fact that I could be backstage and organizing it, and I think that's probably where building a company has come from because mm. I, I like the fact of being backstage I like the fact of putting everything together I wasn't necessarily the one that wanted to be on stage in the limelight it just it never appealed to me right so but you respected the craft of course but you just liked the idea yeah like, loved it yeah just orchestrating everything. yeah loved being on stage but I just think I didn't want to be it just didn't give me the same buzz as it gave other people mm-hmm. I liked organizing the event and making sure that you know the lights were coming on at the right time and so forth so forth so that's um kind of where my passion right. kind of came yeah so, so that, that makes sense as to why you were able to, like the first, like you said, the first app that you ever designed was for a yoga class or yeah. for a, a, dance a dance class. Thing. Exactly. So that's where it stemmed from. So, I mean, fast forward from there is um, I was chilling in L.A. with some dancers and they were just kind of giving me insights to the dance world out there mm-hmm. and what was missing. And for me, I was going to classes and I was still having to go to the ATM machine and I was just like, okay, cool. The class starts in five minutes, but. I'm late as it is because you know what it's like it, New York's like London in any city it's busy and you, mm. you know you're late for everything pretty much <laughs> so you know and then I've still got to go to the ATM and get and get cash out which is going to make me even more late so I was like why can't we eliminate this um, and again bearing in mind this was like five six years ago before the cash apps and everything that's out now right. and we were thinking how can we eliminate this process how can we make it that I can pay before I even get there or pay on the way and I don't have to go to the ATM machine. I don't have to draw anything out. And the teacher, the teacher didn't have to then deal with money um, and giving me change and all that kind of stuff. All, 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 all her focus is on yeah. teaching the class. It's teaching the class, yeah. She shouldn't mm-hmm. have to worry about change and... The transactional you know, stuff. Yeah. And plus, you know, that could delay the class because she's still dealing with customers and change and money. And the class has started now five minutes ago. So we wanted to eliminate that. Um, so we went on the quest to build uh, Dance Global. And it did just that. It just allowed people to create a class. It allowed people to um, accept payments for their classes. Um, and ultimately allowed the customer to make payments um, seam- seamlessly from kind of their mobile phone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's made everything a lot more efficient. Exactly, yeah. Um, like I say now, you know, you look at it. There's so many uh, kind of platforms that do that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, that was something unique. That at the time, was it was very different. unique. Yeah, it was game changing. It was it was very much game changing. Um, so we built that. Spent a few years building that uh, project and. 
built really good traction. So we put it out, we had a lot of people test it, and then we started to do the marketing. So we started to go to dance studios and try and get them signed up. Um, individual yoga teachers, get them signed up. Um, and it was good, and I'll shout out my friend. So my friend, uh, Jaquel, mm -hmm. um, he was one of the kind of biggest to come on the platform. And he's a Beyonce's choreographer. Mm -hmm. So he was doing a workshop in London and uh, put it on our platform, which was great because it brought a lot of traffic, obviously, because of the name and everything uh, right. attached to Beyonce. It brought a lot of traffic to, to the app to download and for people to pay for classes. Mm -hmm. And that... I think at that sense, that's when we knew we were validating the product. So we had a, uh, an MVP, a minimal viable product to get out and we put it out. Um, but then once we had someone like that on, it was like, okay, cool, this works. Like, solidified this, it. Yeah, it solidified it. Yeah, this works. This is what people want. Um, and it was seamless. And that's what we wanted it to, to give. Let's backtrack a little bit, right? So before we even get there, how did, like, what, what was your thought process around like finding the right people for, to build this team to create this app? Right. Like how did you approach um, that? So I, st I started the company with uh, my friend uh, and I. Um, we started it again like four years ago and he's a dancer as well, or was a dancer. We just had the idea of getting it together. Um, we then started searching for a developer because that's the first thing you search for. Let me find a developer, see who I can get to roll this out. Um, and you get, you know, you put it out there on a platform, you get about 200 people that will say, I can do the job because you're paying. So then you have to sift through the 200 people to see who effectively you can work with and who you're gonna be married with. Because I always say, when you find a developer or people on your team, effectively you're, you guys are married, because you, especially with a developer, because you're working so close with that person to right. bring your product alive. It is, you know, you, you'll be talking to that person more than you're talking to your girlfriend or your, your boyfriend, because that's your baby, that's your product, and they're right. building it for you, do you know what I mean? Before they transfer it mm -hmm. over to you, they're building everything. So. Um, we went through back and forth. I was speaking to a lot of different people. Um, then I found someone in, where was he now? Is it somewhere in Eastern Europe. He's in Japan now, but he was in Eastern Europe. His name was Mario and he was great. He got the vision, understood it to a T. And what I like is that he actually told me stuff we could do. Because yeah. I always say to people, you have ideas and you put that out there, but the person you work with should give you that as well. Right. You know? It should be a 50-50, give and take. Yeah, like I employ you know, graphic designers and I employ videographers and I always say to people, this is your craft, so you should be telling me like what I can do with your services. I want to know what, with a videographer or a photographer, mm -hmm. how do you want me to pose? What can you do with the camera? Like You should know your craft so well and I you're educating me. I completely agree with that. You know, I don't want to be going there and I'm telling you what to do. I, I want to give you a brief, but you should be able to then run with that brief and, right. and come back with something even more amazing. And that's just what he did. So we built an amazing app. Um, then we went to sell it. So that was like the interesting point. <laughs> Wait, so at this point, is it, is, it, is, it, is it just a team of two people, you and you and No, Mark? so at this point, there is seven of us working on it um, across marketing, finance. Um, so the seven of us working strongly on it. And my dad turned around and said, right. Well, I went to my dad and said, right, I want to pitch it to a large company that may want to buy it out and use it. Um, so we were looking at all the different types of companies and my dad said, how about Samsung? And I was like, why? He's like, because Samsung are really trying to get in there at that point in the market. Um, they had, they were doing a lot on fitness mm -hmm. um, and because of, of, of all the TVs, that they, uh, it, we thought it would be a good idea to, for them to put it onto their TVs and fitness and all this kind of stuff. 
Um, so I said, okay, and I did what every entrepreneur does is let me go to see if I can find the top dog of something. So, so who do yeah. I need to speak to? Who do I need to speak no. to? Yeah, I like, want to beat around the bush and like that. Yeah, get straight to the person. I needed to speak to, as we call it, the decision maker. So mm. in any company, there's a decision maker, and that's who you need to reach out to. So we were like, okay, let me find the CEO of Samsung. So I went on Google and I typed in CEO of Samsung, and you just go through pages and it come up with an email address. Really. Yeah, the, you was able to find the CEO of Samsung. Samsung, Samsung UK. The yeah, the internet is something crazy. Yeah, and I tell you what, I was here in New York. I was in Brooklyn. I'll never forget. I was with my business partner. Right. And I emailed the CEO of Samsung, and within half an hour, he got back to me, and he said, "Hey, um, thanks for sending your email. Can you come see me tomorrow?" And he's in UK. He's, he's in, in UK, UK right now. and I'm in I'm in New York at this point. Right. So I'm like, oh. so I'm like, okay, cool. So. Went straight to the airport <laughs> and jumped on a flight straight to London and met him the next day. And we sat around the table just like this. Um, he sat there, is, is obviously his team, and we just kind of went through my idea. And my idea was, was papers um, at the early stages. It, we had a, something on the phone, but it right. was very much papers. It was very much just kind of, okay, this is what I want to do. And... They loved it. They loved the idea. And they offered me great money for it. <laughs> um, which didn't work out in the end. And I'll come to that. So, right. I mean, I can be honest on this podcast. They offered me like between 10 and 18 million for the idea. Yeah. So, yeah. So they offered me really good money. in my chest right here. <laughs> yeah. They, they offered me about 10 to 18 million for the idea, which was great because that then validated <laughs> let's, let's backtrack a little let's think about this for a second i just want to put everything in perspective yeah one day of course over time we say listen i want to get i want to we want samsung is the perfect company to take yeah. this app from us mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you guys find you guys go on the internet and you find the ceo's email mm -hmm. you email the ceo the ceo the ceo responds within 30 minutes you're in brooklyn you're not even in the country right now you're in brooklyn yeah and you jump on the next flight mm-hmm you get to <laughs> that's where we were I remember yeah we you guys get <laughs> you guys get back to the uk you have the meeting with him then you pitch the idea to them they love the idea so much that they over make an offer mm -hmm. first things first you gotta stay ready so you never gotta get ready that's one that's something that you always tell me mm -hmm. she's, she's, she's watching the interview as mm -hmm. we do it. you gotta stay ready so you never gotta get ready because had you not been ready yeah you would have never been able to just go mm -hmm. the next day and be ready to pitch the idea mm -hmm. to them yeah the be ready. Million, the 10 million dollar idea yeah. You pitched the idea to them As a matter You didn't even have a deck You just had papers You just telling yeah. everybody So yeah. that, that, that tells me That you yeah. guys were so convinced That the idea was valid Yeah You've got to be Yeah Exactly You gotta believe it first Before of you can pitch it to yeah. somebody else Yeah And you've gotta I shouldn't say this on there But you gotta BS your, your way through You know like You, got, you kinda gotta fake it Till you make it Yeah And it, that is true You know You've gotta You've gotta be so confident That you know And I, One of the things you just said actually Is You need to know your product Inside out So one thing um, that I always say to again other entrepreneurs is when you go in there they shouldn't be able to they, they're going to challenge you on your product but you should know your figures inside out you should know the structure you should know the design everything inside out of your product mm -hmm. so when they say stuff to you you can be like oh yeah we know how that works oh yeah 10% of da, 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 da. you should be able just to roll it off your tongue and sorry go on no no you got this yeah and some entrepreneurs fail at that point because they're so concerned about 
the product itself, they forget about everything else, the marketing of the product, and they forget about growing a team and all that. And when you go to investors, that's what they want to know because they know that you're not doing it by yourself. They want right. to know what team and <clears throat> can you actually hire a team? Are you qualified? Are you qualified to be a CEO or a COO? You know, they, they want to know this stuff. So we educated ourselves on the whole thing. So when we went into that meeting, although we was, had papers, Samsung couldn't tell me anything because I, I knew it all. Knew it, I, right. knew, I knew my product inside out. Um, and there's a saying, uh, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. I don't know if you heard that. If you yeah. fail to prepare, you, you yeah. fail to fail. Or fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Yeah, and that's you know one thing I live by. So. Or, or, or the way I know it is if you, plan to, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. There you go, yeah. Right, same, same thing yeah. as well, too. Yeah, yeah. I think what a lot of what you're saying, too, just to, just to elaborate on that, as a creative, you, it, it's important that you understand the business behind whatever you're doing. Yeah. Because, like you said, you can go into the pitch and you can know all about your product, you yeah. know all about the creative work. But yeah. you, if you don't understand the business that you're in, if you don't understand the, the industry, the landscape that you're playing in, the, yeah. the ballpark that you're playing yeah. in, yeah. then it's easier not only for you to to, 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 um, to show them that you're incompetent, but it's easy for them to just to, to jerk you, beat you over the head, yeah. and, 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 and give you a deal, uh -huh. while you give you a deal that you're probably, mm -hmm. that's probably mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. you know worthy so, or worth you. So when they offer me that amount of money, don't get me wrong, you know, you do that in your heart and your heart goes, oh my God, what? But... For me, it was only validation to know that the products would work and someone wanted it. Remember, Samsung were the first people that I went to on that product. Right. So for me, they were just dangling a carrot over me to say, hey, like, we don't want you to go anywhere. We know that this is a good idea. Stay in you the could area. be pitching to stay in the area. We want to work with you. So we're going to tell you we might give you 10 to 18 million. That's all that was. Right. Do you know what I mean? I get that. Um, but for me, I was like, great. Because that's the first company I went to that offered that. So I know that I can go to... You know how much it. you're worth at this point. Yeah, exactly. I could right. go to any company now and say, hey, da, 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 da. As soon as I say, yeah, I was I was just down the down the street at Samsung and they were offering me da, 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 for the product. You know, you have that leverage there. Um, I mean, I didn't do that, but, you know, you have that leverage there. Um, but Samsung were great. We worked on it for the deal for like a good six months mm. um, to try and get it right. Uh, where it went wrong is... Samsung changed their CEOs every, I think it's nine months or something. Um, I could be wrong on that. Um, and the new CEO that came into place had a completely different vision. Different, have the same vision. Mm. Yeah. So then the deal never transpired. Wait. So before you move on from the Samsung deal, what, mm -hmm. what type of questions were they asking you guys? Because the fact, first of all, I can't. The fact that you guys were prepared to even answer all of those questions mm. for the next day is crazy. Mm. It's impressive. Yeah. But what type of questions were they asking? What type of what type of things were they pressing you guys about in, in that in that pitch meeting? Um, I mean, they just wanted to know the the logistics of of how it would work on their on their devices. So at, at the start, it was going to be the app on all their phones. So. Um, I use the name Sarah as an example. Sarah has a yoga class again in Central Park. How easy is it for Sarah to create a class, um, link her bank account to it? Um, you know, can Sarah uh, market the uh, her class through the app or is it just a, a service where she uploads? Can she send it out to her contacts on WhatsApp or Facebook, Instagram, can she do any of that through the app? So it was, it was questions like that because it's easy to, to build a platform where, again, Sarah can upload her class, but how does she share it to the masses? Right. How's you everybody know? else find How's out about it? How's everyone going to find out about it? Mm -hmm. And these are the stuff that they were asking and these are the stuff that, in a sense, we had thought about because we knew that we could integrate the Facebooks and the Instagrams into it. Mm -hmm. um, 
and, and, and ultimately Sarah would be able to reshare it and people could reshare it from there and, and that's kind of how we wanted to grow it um, that way but the questions were I'll be honest they weren't really especially at the first meeting it wasn't very intense because right. again I had everything down on paper um, so they could see it they could read over it um, there was a business plan there um, projections everything that would be in a normal standard business plan was there um, so it was just a conversation they just liked the idea um, and again I think you have to separate between the business element which is the numbers and there's always Samsung want to know the numbers or any company wants to know the numbers but the the product has to be good. Right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, the product the, has, at the, the end of the day, the product has to be good. Yeah, the product right. has to be good. And you have to get them excited about it. Mm-hmm. Is. You have to know your numbers, but you want to get them excited about touching it or about the possibility of Sarah creating a class and 40 people coming to her class and right. she's making 300 pounds or dollars um, you know, from that class. That's that's the exciting part for us is because Sarah could be an entrepreneur. You know, she could just be a teacher but an entrepreneur and that's how she's making money. And, that's what where we were getting a buzz because the possibility of Sarah being able to do that and make money through our app right. was was exciting to us. Right, so. like you said, you, you got to be able to you got to believe in the product first. Yeah, and if you don't believe in the product, then you're not yeah. going to be able to even pitch it to somebody exactly. else. Yeah, like that, that's really important. Like I feel like a lot of people they do something they they might be, their heart's probably not in it, but they think I can make money doing yeah. this, so I'll do it. Yeah, and I feel like when you chase the money first, then the 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 the, the love for whatever you do that's exactly. not there. And yep. if the love for whatever you do is not there, then you're probably not even going to believe it in the first place exactly. to be able to confidently sell it to somebody yeah. else. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. So so how do you guys rebound from that? Like, I mean, you, you finally get in, con- you get in contact with Samsung. You guys go about six to nine months pitching back and forth, back and forth. Next thing you know, the CEO switches. The deal falls apart. How were you feeling in that moment? After the deal falls apart, did you feel like it was, it was, it was all, it was, everything was over for you? It was dead? Or do you feel like, all right, listen, Samsung was pitching to us. That means uh, Apple or yeah. Toshiba or another company yeah. will be just as interested as Samsung. Do you know what? You have the moment of... Oh, okay. Like we've spent however months working on it, and it's not gone through. You do have that moment, and I think as an entrepreneur, anyway, you have up and down moments every day. Yeah, um, and we did it's have that fact. moment. Yeah, do you know, you know <laughs> how it is. So we had that moment, but I think we knew that we had a great product, you know, and we knew that if Samsung didn't want it, someone would want it, and if they didn't want it, we would just grow it ourselves because originally that's what we were going to do. You know, it wasn't. I think every Every company really truly wants to sell to a big company. You know, I sell out and then you, uh, you know, use the money and start a new company. Start something that, else, that's, right. yeah, that's just like the it's entrepreneur it, spirit right, that people that's, have. That's the entrepreneurial uh, yeah. business model for a couple yeah. of people. Um, but we didn't mind the fact of spending a few years just growing it because we was enjoying growing it. We was enjoying meeting teachers and finding out their stories and getting mm. them onto the app. That was a buzz for us. And yeah, in a sense, the money was slower. Um, but it was coming in, uh, so we were happy with that at that time. So it did hit us. Um, we, what did we do after that? We, we, yeah, we just spent a bit of time just kind of re-looking at the app, thinking how we can grow it to different markets. So by that point, we were opening it up to uh, the US with US dollars and euros and British pounds. We were trying to open up the market and see how that would work currency-wise as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, we've still got it now. We've still got it going now. Um, but we're going to look to now kind of sell it on. And that's the next step for oh, us. Did, did you guys ever think of, um, of, of reaching out to advertisers to advertise on the app and monetize that way? Yeah. So we did. We were thinking about uh, the type of advertisers that will come on. Um, well, I think we just didn't get to that stage yet. Um, it, it, it's a hard one as an entrepreneur because you, you, 
one thing I always say as well is is we grew it, but I fell out of love with dance doing it. Really? Yeah. Why, why is that? Talk about that for a little bit. So, I think I was so involved in it that I started to hate it. Hating, hating dance. Yeah. So I started to. But it, that's funny because at this point you're not really dancing. You're just building. Yeah. A, a, a platform. Yeah. To connect. To dances. connect. Yeah. But I think just because I was so involved in it and because it was dance, which I've been doing since three or four. You know, and um, I was still involved in it. I was still talking to dancers. I loved it, but then at one point, I think it just took over my life, and I was just like, it threw me off, and I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. But that comes with all the setbacks that you have. And I was running the company, so if you think about all the setbacks that I was getting um, every other day, you, you know, you're constantly fighting it, and then you have your highs where you celebrate and you're like, oh my god, we did it, the milestones. But when you have those lows, the lows can be really low lows sometimes. Are low. Yeah, they can <laughs> the lows be. Lows are low. Yeah, um, and I'm not one to give up. Um, which we didn't but at one point I just was like I don't know if I want to do this anymore I don't know if I'm as interested in dance itself um, as I was before plus I think also the growth we were growing uh, very slow and that had an impact as well um, we didn't have any investment so we mm. were just putting all our money into it so the growth was you know started getting stagnant started getting stagnant yeah and that also had an effect because you've got to live, you've got to eat, you've got to pay your bills, you know, you're trying to put all your kind of effort into it. <clears throat> so I always say as well, know when to stop. Some entrepreneurs, you tell people to keep going on that idea, but you also have to tell entrepreneurs, know when to stop on that idea. Know when that idea is not going to work and do something else. You know, like if you think about um, Kevin who started Instagram. Right. Before Instagram, I forgot what the platform was called. Um, but he knew that wasn't working. He stopped it and redeveloped it, repackaged it and created Instagram. Instagram. And okay, now. And then he sold to Facebook. Yeah, yeah there you go. There you go, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know I mean? He knew that, okay, this is not working. Let me go back to the drawing board. That idea is not working. Even though I knew that idea was going to be that million dollar idea, it wasn't working for him. And then he repackaged it, put it back out. And now it was, you know, Instagram. And that's what I say to people. Sometimes you have to know that something's not going to work. And don't be afraid to say, that's not going to work. Even if people are like, no, it will, man, it will. Like, it's cute. You know, it looks yeah. nice. Don't worry do about it, it yeah. man. Keep they, going. They don't want to break your heart. Yeah. They, don't, they don't want to make you feel bad. Or people will be st- will be like, just keep going, you know, don't give don't up. Don't stop. Don't yeah. give up. Wait, but here's the thing with that, though. Like, when do you, as an entrepreneur, especially if you really love what you're doing, at what point do you know it's not going to work? Like, how do you know it's not going to work? Like, what's what metric do you have to set to say, all right, I know, I'd like it. This is, this is it. This is, this is where I have to stop right now. Um, Good question. I think it's hard. I think you just inside know when it's not going to work. I think when you've exhausted all your money and uh, you know all your energy, all your energy, and, and your relationships you're tired. are falling apart. Yeah, yeah. When you know it's not going to work, you like it's not going to work. But I think I think you just know. You know, if if the market starts changing, and we're in the digital space, it's forever changing. Technology is forever, forever coming changing. out. So you have to be on it. You know, if you're thinking about creating an idea and think, uh, you know, that it's going to be the same in a year's time, it's not. Your idea is not. There's probably 100 people trying to work on your same idea. You know, it, it changes so fast and you have to go with that change. And if you are too slow, then you're just going to get left behind. And that's one thing that kind of hit us because we started seeing all these other platforms that were offering our service um, so again, Eventbrite's a big platform for right. that. Um, 
cash apps new and just come into place sending money you know there's platforms that are there now and we started to see that and then platforms had big investment and platforms were growing quickly and we weren't so we had to go i think we might have lost you know the, might, the window yeah. we might have lost the window yeah but again, the true testament of an entrepreneur is you see that and you, you learn and you know that you say, okay, that idea wasn't the idea. What's next? That's a true entrepreneur. What's next? You know, you get up, dust yourself off and you move on to the next idea. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always tell people like, come on, don't sit there and dwell on it. There's no point. No point crying over it because nothing's going to change after you finish crying. Right. No one's going to wipe your tears away. You know, you just got to wipe your own tears and move on to the next project. So that's what I say. That's that, That's... So for you guys, what was next? What was next after that? So what was next? Um, we then, me and my business partner actually um, started to work on separate projects. It wasn't like we fell out or anything. We just, mm-hmm. I think we had worked together for so long, so intensely, we needed that break. Um, still best friends now. But we just started to work on separate projects that we thought might work for us. Um, for me, I then started, which is the company I have now, called uh, The App Kit, which basically helps other entrepreneurs create apps and helps businesses create apps. Again, the experience of all of that made me go, okay, I know you know, what to do and what not to do. Right. Uh, and I can help other entrepreneurs behind me. And that's, that's what that was ultimately important for me is how can I help the next person behind me not make the mistake I made, mm-hmm. you know? Like, where can they go to find a great developer? What do they need to do to vet that developer? Um, what kind of shows do they need to watch on intellectual property, on on YouTube and, you know, different kind of finance seminars? All of that kind of stuff plays a part. And that's the stuff that, you know, we should be telling the next person, you know, don't, don't uh, get caught up in your idea so much and forget everything else. You know, think about everything as a, as a rounded uh, kind of business. So yeah, so we, we basically <clears throat> moved on. We, we, he's actually in the Caribbean now working on uh, some app clients out there. And I'm in New York working on app clients, but mm-hmm. we still speak, we're still talking the other day about the clients we have and just growing businesses now. So, right. but being honest, I'm more fulfilled that way because I, um, I don't have to worry about um, customers as much anymore as in like <clears throat> a lot of customers because I'm not focusing on my business I'm helping other businesses so right. I'm only really focusing on our one or two people within each organization um, I'm not having to think about the masses of getting loads of customers on board and da, 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 uh, you know that doesn't play a role anymore so um, now, now you could just now you could just take your services and, and have more it's more concentrated now now it's just more exactly focused. yeah that is wavy and, and so, it, I, I guess that is um I think that's the good part about going through that first initial experience. Yeah. Like maybe, yeah. maybe of course, in the grand scheme of things, the Samsung thing was never supposed to happen. Yeah. yeah. But through that experience, you were able to learn and take a lot away from that and exactly. figure out how I can move on into the next thing. Exactly. And yeah. Of course, you're still doing the same thing, but you're just doing it on a, on a smaller, more focused scale. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did you go about even finding those clients? Like I know for the first app, it was dance because that's what you love. You yeah. love to dance. So how did you go about yeah. like finding the right clients to work with? Yeah. When you um, became your own boss and you were your own entrepreneur. Yeah. So the first couple of clients I had uh, were people that I knew that had basically said to me, hey, um, I saw that you had created an app. Um, I'm thinking about doing one. <clears throat> that's usually like the first question I get is, hey, I'm thinking about creating an app. Um, 
do you know do you know where I start? They don't even say, do you know a developer? Because a lot of people don't even know the word developer anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know, so they don't even say, it's just, hey, I've got an app idea. And in my head, I was like, okay, perfect. Like, and again, that's how the business was created because everyone was coming to me and saying, you know, you created apps before, let me know the secret. And I then just started working with these clients and just saying, okay, cool. Like, I can help you out. Um, what do you need? And then they would just give me knowledge on what their business is. And then I would obviously then start speaking to my development team who I still had um, or finding new developers um, and started kind of building customers apps and that's kind of where it went from there everything is word of mouth um a lot of things are word of mouth you know you put it out there on on social media and and people are seeing it people will resonate with good content and for me on social media i'm i've branded myself as the app kid or someone said i was the app kid and i've just gone with it so yeah it's just you're the app kid yeah (laughs) the kid who makes apps yeah literally so for me, I'm unique on social media because I'm mm-hmm. I'm that guy who creates apps. I'm the app kid. You know, if someone sees me and I've gone to events before and they've gone, oh, hey, you're the app kid guy. <laughs> and I think, oh, it works. Like, that's how they see me. I'm not just the guy on Instagram that's just taking pictures and in my bio it says I create apps. Right. You know, I'm living the app kid experience because I love it. I, you know, I love what I do. So I'm, I'm living that. And I think when clients see that and come onto my page, like, oh, wow, this is a, you know, this is a cool guy, quote unquote, and he's creating apps. I want to reach out to him. I want to find out if I can get an app mm-hmm. and how much it costs. And, you know, I get a lot of messages a day just asking about apps. And, and some people don't necessarily have the idea together. Some people don't have the budgets. To, you know, there's a, a vast amount of different people. But ultimately for me as a business, I'll reach out to every single person because uh, you just never know. Right. You, know you never know which client will come from them um, and how we can build it from there. So... So, so how did you make the transition from um to from the UK to US? Like, at what point did you start getting clients in the US? And so, yeah. So I'm very much still in the UK. Right. Um, it's just again social media. Uh, a lot of the clients, I guess, using hashtags and people seeing it. I was getting a lot of US clients messaging me, mm. and it's always a funny one where you can have a meeting with someone and you can have a Skype and a you know a FaceTime, but ultimately when they're sending you money. You know, they don't know you. They've never met you before. They're just going to have trust faith and you send. With, yeah, trust you with yeah. however much you cost yeah. and, and go from there. Yeah. And for me, I was just like, okay, if I love America and I'm always here anyway. I was, you know, I was always coming here just on vacation. I was like, okay, let me come here and let me actually meet clients. Let me actually, you know, put a face to the accent <laughs> and let me come in and speak to people because I knew that would also help transition to get more clients so I literally just started flying over, meeting clients, spending a week here, networking, and then flying back. And then if a client then came to me a couple of weeks later and said, I want to meet, I'd just fly again back over. It was costing money, but you know, you factor all that into your cost. That's what an entrepreneur does. You, know, right. you factor your flight and everything into it, you know, and, and that's how business, we do it. It's a business expense. Yeah, exactly. So At that time, was it, was it also like you were just very comfortable in the UK and it felt like home, so you just weren't ready to get up and start a whole new life in the US? Yeah, so I, I loved the I love loved the US, um, and I could I could live here full time, but I have clients in both, so it's just easier for me to go back and forth constantly. I love the I love London because I've got my friends, my family there. Mm-hmm. Um, but because the flight in my head is only six hours, it, it it's it's super quick, um, relatively, just to get over here and have a meeting, spend a day or so here, and then fly back home. Um, and that's what I was doing for kind of the last year or so. 
Um, but it's only recently I'm like, okay, I need to get a place here because I'm getting a lot more clients on the US side. And it's, you know, those Airbnb prices, shout out to Airbnb, cost a lot, you know? <laughs> so... It started adding up after a that, while. Start adding up, yeah. So it just wasn't feasible for me to do that. So mm -hmm. that's why I kind of, yeah, decided to uh, get a place here. Well, was it a big culture shock for you when you first moved to um, to New York? Compared to London? Well, then again, New York and London are kind of like international very similar, cities, right? Yeah, very, very similar. Um, it wasn't so much a culture shock, no, because I think everyone is on the grind in both cities and there's a lot of entrepreneurs in both cities. Right. Um, I think the way you guys perceive entrepreneurship is different um, you guys are a little bit more hungry on you guys in my opinion have more drive for success and why, I'm attracted to that why, why do you think that is in your opinion in your experiences why do you think that New York is a little bit more hungry compared to the people that you met in London don't know you know because you guys are classed as what you guys say the concrete jungle is that what you guys say yeah, yeah. like the concrete, the concrete jungle. jungle is that what you guys say yeah I don't know I just think you guys I don't know what it is I don't, but I feel like it's not just people from the UK that think that because people from different parts of America will come to New York because so they the know what thing. that drive right. like. Yeah. And the culture here, I guess it comes from the culture. The culture here has that mentality where they want more and they, you know, they want to work hard. And um, that also happens in, in San Francisco and Silicon Valley, but especially in New York, that, that raw passion is over here. And that's what I needed. I wanted that. So needed that energy. Yeah, needed that I, I energy. I also feel like in, in in the US, like everybody is sold a dream that everybody can be rich. Yes. Yes. So with that being said, if if, if you're told that you can be rich, you're gonna try to be rich. Rich, yeah. I don't know if it's the same in the UK. Um Yeah, we're a bit more modest in the UK. <laughs> so you guys over here will be like, you know, I'm rich and here's all my money, I'm rich. Whereas <laughs> Us in the UK will be rich, but we just don't talk about it. It's yeah, like a, oh, have a little something. Yeah, a little something here. Yeah, you know, they've got like $10 million. And it's right. like, oh, I'll buy this little house. Whereas you guys will be like, I'm going to buy this big mansion. I'm probably doing the accent wrong. <laughs> Buying this big mansion, you know, with a swimming pool. Da, da, da. Whereas we'll, we just won't talk about it. Right. Like our money is very quiet, quiet on it. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of it too in the UK, like it, it depends a lot on your last name. Yes. Whereas in America, if you got money, you're good. As long as you right. have money, you can you can get into any room, right. any space that you want to be mm -hmm. in. In the UK, somebody got to know you. Yeah. Somebody yeah. really has to know yeah. you. Yeah. Like I'm kind of from the era where, you know, if you have money, like you don't need to to flash it. I just feel like, for me, like the the rich people, the people who have a lot of money. You just cannot tell they have money. They're, they're not one for big brand. Well, they might have big brands, but they're not one for a big brand going across the across chest. The chest they're, right. Yeah, they're not. They'll have a T-shirt on that's probably like two, three thousand dollars, and you just wouldn't even, you just wouldn't even know who that brand is. Right. You know, and that's just their taste. They just that's like, just their taste. Just yeah. Like these type of clothes. Yeah. These expensive clothes. And I think that's like the power of like people who have money to me, um, because they're realistically they're focused on growing their money. They're not focused on wearing the biggest brands and that. They're focusing on where they can put their money next to make that to grow. To make it work, right. Yeah, and that's like a true entrepreneur, a true businessman, you know. But I guess, it, again, it's different eras, it's different ages. You know, I think once you get a bit older, you start realising I don't need everything I thought I needed when I was right. 21. You know, I'm 30 now and I've realised I don't really need that, I don't really need that, and I'm, I'm just chill with what I have, you mm -hmm. know. want to make money. I love travelling, I love staying in nice hotels, I love cars, but I don't need to buy all the... The excess stuff. The excess stuff, no, I don't, it doesn't, yeah. It's just all for show at the end of the day. You agree? I feel like you're not sure if you agree. No, I agree, I agree. I definitely feel like, I feel like 
you know, if you have money, you probably shouldn't flaunt it. Yeah. If you have money, you just have money. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I feel like also a lot of it, for me too, I feel like when it comes to like being rich or wealthy, mm. it's not so much how you dress and how you present yourself, but like the lifestyle you live in general. Yeah. So like being able to just get a call or being able to get an email from the CEO that says, yo, meet me here tomorrow. Yeah. And being able to jump on them. Like I like stuff like that. Yeah. Like the, the luxury to be able to do that. Yeah. Not so much driving down the street in a fast car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the freedom to be able to just live an autonomous lifestyle. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm in full control. I can do whatever I want yeah. when I want because yeah. I have the funds to do that. Mm -hmm. So not much, not so much flashy, just more so yeah. easy going, laid back, yeah. just doing what I'm doing. Like I think you should have, you know, you work hard, you should have nice stuff. Like yeah, that's a fact. A hundred percent, you know. But it shouldn't only be about the nice yes. stuff. Yes. Like you shouldn't be working to get the nice stuff. Yeah. But like I think... You know, if, if you are really an entrepreneur and you really love it, your your mindset is thinking, how do I grow my business? You know, because my mindset as an entrepreneur is if I spend $100, I want to know how I'm going to make another $100. Right. If you I'm know? spending 100 is this 100 going to get me back 50 Is it going to get yeah. me back 25 or yeah. 100 yeah. I'm leveraging too much money by spending yeah. this 100 Yeah. And you don't even have to be a big entrepreneur for that. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, if you get your, you know, if you get paid at the end of the month or you guys get paid every two weeks and you go and buy you know, a $200 sweater, you know, you might then have to go to work and do overtime just to make that money back. Right. So how many, you know, more hours have to do to make that? That's how I think. And that's how I think, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs think is if they're spending, what do they have to do to make that money back? And how can they make that money back? Rather mm -hmm. than I'm spending $200 on a jumper and that's it. I'm going to be broke for the rest of the month, you know? <laughs> right. Some people can't think past the jumper itself. Like they, yeah. can, only, they can only see the jumper. I got it. And then exactly. after they get the jumper, they're like, oh, it. now the thought of, yeah. I got to make this money back. Money back. Yeah. Right. Wait, I mean, you just said something. You said mm. over here you get paid every two weeks. In the UK, you guys get paid at the end of the month? Uh, we get paid monthly in the UK. Monthly? Yeah. It's, I, it's weird. I find that, like, you. I find you guys every two weeks is just very strange. But you guys <laughs> probably find that we... Wait, so you, do you get a lump sum at the beginning of the month or the end of the month? It depends on the company, but usually everyone gets paid on, let's say, the last working day of the month. And then that money has to stretch you for the whole I month. I I get that. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You're still getting the same amount. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But it's like, I feel like it's much easier to maintain every two weeks versus yeah. me getting paid at the beginning of the month and having think, that money though? stretch for the whole month. What do you think? Yeah. Because mm. let's say like, because for a lot of people, right? Let's say you get three, let's say your, um, your salary is $3,000 a month. Yeah. You get three bands at the beginning of the month. Mm. Some people will see that and be like, yo, I'm rich. I got $3,000. Mm. And they'll just start swiping, 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 mm. swiping. Mm. Two weeks go by and you down to like 1000 Yeah. And just like that, you or, you already, you know, like the balance yeah. is already off. Red. You yeah. see what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the red. red. Yeah, yeah. So it's much, I feel like it's much easier to manage your money if you get yeah. paid every two weeks. But then again, if you're also, if you're just very good at saving in general, yeah. Then that probably yeah. really be an issue for you. Like some people get paid each week, every week, and I just think it's difficult to try and save. Yeah, no, each week I can't. I can't yeah. But I mean, you can still save, but it's just yeah, like, that's just, too frequent for me. It's different. For yeah. me, every other week is that perfect yeah. balance. Like, I, yeah. like it, it, keeps, yeah. it keeps me humble. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like Ours is like every month. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. My, ours is like every month. So it's, it's. I guess it, we're just used to it and you know how to, you know, your bills come out once a month. So it's just like you pay everything um, or the setup as a direct debit, everything comes out and you know that's you um but that's kind of just how we work yeah i know in the u.s it's different so i don't hate on you guys but yeah it's just i just don't know if i could i could, you could do that. that lifestyle yeah I feel you on that. so so how about this what what is next for the app kit right right now you're, you're running your own development do you ever plan on getting back with the team and, and building an app to try to sell it out again or you think right now where you at you're just comfortable just having clients and working with uh, with brands on a more smaller more intimate scale yeah i think i'm comfortable 
with where I am now in terms of I'm ready to grow the business. I'm ready for new clients, um, but I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I'm enjoying meeting clients. I'm enjoying helping them grow their business. Um, again, I've realized, I think that's where my passion is now is helping other entrepreneurs grow their, their channel um, rather than me start a company for um, my own customers. Yeah, right. yeah. So I'm enjoying it. I think I want to grow with more clients worldwide. So I'm trying to, that's so why I'm here in the US now doing a lot more networking, meeting a lot more clients. Um, because ultimately, it's more money, <laughs> you know. <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest with it. You know, that, that's what we're here for, isn't it? You know, you, you you want to make as much money as possible. Right. And I've gone to the to the place, especially being here in New York, where everyone is working hard for um for themselves and mm -hmm. for the projects, and and that's what that's why I'm here. It's it's inspiring, you know. It truly is. And, and let the people know what type of services do you provide as the app kit. Yeah, so it's um, we build predominantly just a website and apps. So if you're looking for an app on iOS or Android, we can put that together um, and we can manage it. We do. We also offer a kind of social media services as well. Um, but ultimately, our, you know, our, our focus is to build you a great working app um, for your client, no matter what the client is. Um, whether you've got a client or whether you are the client, no matter what it is, we can build you a great app and, and put it out there. That's what we do. Um, I don't like to confuse people and say, oh, we do this, we offer this, and we also offer that. No. Be very clear, with, again, with what exactly you do. Exactly what we do. Yeah, right. this is what we do. We, we build you an app. And if they're interested in your services, where can they find you? Yeah, so if they're interested, they can uh, go to the app kit. So it's T-H-E-A-P-P-K-I-T. So it's the app kit.co.uk. Or they can follow me on Instagram. Um as Kyle McKitty, which is my name, government name. <laughs> so it's K-Y-L-E and then M-C-K-I-T-T-Y. You can find me on there as well. Right, Kyle, I really appreciate you coming on the yeah, show. Yeah, I know. Thank you, man. I've had a good time. I'm, I'm definitely going to be keeping up with everything yeah. that you're doing. And we'll be in contact, man. Yeah, I definitely. That. I will be. And I can't wait to uh, see great things that you're doing as well. So my pleasure. My pleasure. Perfect, man. Thank you. You've been listening to the King Belly Podcast. You can follow the King Belly Pod on Instagram and Facebook. You can subscribe to the King Belly Podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Your support is greatly appreciated. This beat was produced and engineered by Nigel Pierre Bryant. You can check out more of his records on his production page on Instagram at produced by period and.